Hello and welcome to episode seven of Mixtape Memories. Memories. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. And uh, so this episode, we're going to go way back to the early 2000s and the New York kind of underground indie, quote unquote, hipster dance scene. Um, it was super yes. fun. Yeah. Uh, I remember going to a lot of the parties we're going to be mentioning. Um, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, dance music, but for indie kids. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> always like a good party and, you know, you get dressed up and go out and like dance all your favorite songs. I feel like that doesn't I don't know. I feel like there are so few parties like this nowadays. You know? Yeah. Or even if there were, what would the music be? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe we're just totally out of the loop. But um. I yeah I feel like there were some some notables um, and I we, we jotted some down in advance but I mean obviously I think the first one that comes to mind which was probably one of the most successful on a larger scale even outside of New York was the Misshapes party yes um, yeah. and then they became kind of like fashion icons I feel like they they did like spreads in Vogue and stuff yeah and they modeled and yeah. yeah. Like, I guess, you know, they're good looking, young, and uh, yeah, like, I guess, tastemakers of some sort. Yeah. So they got all this attention and really took it to like another level. Exactly. For those who, who don't know Miss Shapes, I guess, I, I'm not sure exactly when the party started, but maybe, oh, mm. what do you think? Oh, six ish? Yeah, maybe oh, six. And it, it yeah. start. I remember at, at the beginning, it wasn't this massive hit, but I mean, it was a fun thing to do. It was at this place that no longer exists on the corner of Luke and Leroy mm -hmm. in the West Village. And the place was called Luke and Leroy. Um, and they played. I, f I feel like all these parties pretty much played very similar music. Yeah. Everyone played the same stuff for the I, most part. I mean, f you definitely hear lots of strokes, lots of Interpol, lots of uh, new wave. Mm -hmm. You know, the New Order, Joy Division, Smiths, Depeche, Echo and the Bunnymen type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of pulp. Lots of pulp. Lots of blur. Like a lot of Brit British rock pop music. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That was kind of popular at the time. Yeah. And that I appreciate because I've always loved Brit pop. And in college, I went to a ton of Brit pop nights. Um at the Black Cat in D.C., which I think that party is still going on. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, for me, that that was and to this day still is kind of the ideal thing to dance to the the yeah. 90s Britpop, the 80s New Wave. Um, yeah. And then some other stuff thrown in. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and that's probably just because that was kind of like what we kind of grew up in too. Exactly. I'm sure. Exactly. Um, but I feel, I still think, you know, there's always like eighties parties and nineties parties. So I feel like a lot of times, um, that's kind of still going on strong as far as like standing the test of time of like being fun songs to dance to. Yeah. Yeah. Miss shapes. I feel, um, you know, I remember at a certain point they had Jarvis Cocker actually DJ, which is hilarious because Misshapes is the name of a pulp song. And then they were able to get him just as the party was kind of getting a lot of buzz. And yeah, I mean, that had yeah. to be the ultimate moment of like, <laughs> yeah, you know, affirmation when you have Jarvis Cocker showing up to your party. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing that he 
agreed to DJ this misshapes par- party so early on and was so well received and he was super cool I mean he was taking photos with people and he was actually DJing pulp songs I thought that was kind of fun so kudos to Jarvis Cocker for being a good sport and I don't know supporting a party that was named after one of his songs <laughs> kudos to Jarvis kudos <laughs> And, you know, that upstairs at Luke and Leroy, maybe it held 100 people. It was pretty small. It was pretty small. Yeah. But it was such a scene. Yeah, it was so sceney. I know. Um, it was definitely, like, the first time I feel like, um, like, people, like, remembering, like, people coming up to me and, like, knowing who I was and being, like, <laughs> freaked out about it. <laughs> like, how do you know who I am? I do recall that too, which is really, it was like a bizarre feeling. I do recall like some, um, a couple of people wanted to take selfies with me before like oh the gosh. whole selfie craze. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why? <laughs> why? 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 a picture with me? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pictures, they had like a professional party photographer there. I remember it was like a big deal if they wanted to take your photo and then it wound up on their site like that week. Yeah. yeah. There was always like that was like a whole scene too, mm-hmm. with like the party photographer, which still goes yeah. on. It still goes on, yeah. But it like I, I don't know, uh it was you know, you and and so people that's another reason why people get dressed up mm-hmm. and like um it's interesting to see how young people party, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, no, that that kind of born out of all like every dance party had that i don't remember it so much as tis was though that party that mm-hmm. was at don hills mm-hmm. in manhattan um that one i feel like was the music was probably pretty similar but it was a little less sceney and fashion it was just more like everyone was in jeans and chucks and just dancing and drinking you yeah know, a beer and it was, and like it was, it was more casual that. yeah like, it was a more of a mix of different crowds like some people who probably just were fans of it some people maybe who heard about it and mm-hmm. want to be part of it but they you know like they were maybe more preppy or something like more kind of college girls or something yeah um but yeah it, but i feel like that was kind of one of the original ones that mm-hmm. like i really kind of fell in love with and it would be like a destination like who's going to tis was exactly you know? exactly um that was a good one um i also have fond memories of uh trash which was dj dj jess's party originally it was at this place where fifi's in um the mm-hmm. east village but mm-hmm. then it moved away from there and then it wound up at the studio at webster hall and then i want to say it was like random pop-up locations like i know he did stuff at lit um and elsewhere but i always had a good time at his parties i remember way back in the day i threw a party joint party with him for the fifth for morrissey's 50th birthday party and we Uh had like some live bands and everything was all smiths related which was fun for me um yeah so i i have good memories of those parties as well which also had a similar playlist although he would sometimes remix tracks so it was like you know um you know, New Order, Blue Monday mixed with something a little more electronic. So it was, I don't know, a little more current maybe. I don't know. I'm having a hard time remembering this party. <laughs> Jess. Yeah. Blonde hair. Um, he maybe was a cool guy. Went. Maybe you didn't go to that one. Yeah. He was. That was a good one. Though I've been to many parties at Lit, I don't know. Yes. Probably not the studio at Webster. Um, 
Fifi, I feel like I've only been new for comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like I would remember like blonde okay. DJ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. So was, was it so it was similar kind of music? Yeah, similar kind of music. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but oh, uh, yeah, sorry. but he's 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 great. But then there were others too. There I feel like Leo from Canine Records mm-hmm. had the crash in and yes, yes. And he was a big Brit pop and rock fan. Yeah. Um, so he was kind of keeping that alive um, through that party. And he would review, you know, it was, it was also like a record review website mm-hmm. Kinda, mm-hmm. where he would review different CDs. Yeah, CDs. Albums. <laughs> 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 oh, the motherfucker parties, which I feel like we touched upon in our first episode. But yeah. Those speaking of scene, those were like. I mean, that was a definite scene. It was Michael T. and uh, oh goodness, I forgot the DJ's names already. It's all kind it of a blur. Justine, Justine, Justine D. D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of that. Um, yeah, and I don't remember who the other ones were, but the, I think there were like a few. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was all about what you wore to those. Oh parties. God, yeah. Um. But Those are always held in different locations, I feel. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't even know if I remembered going to one, uh, only seeing the pictures really, <laughs> and being like, I don't know that I could dress up like that. <laughs> like, I don't think that I ever thought that I could, like, reach that level of, it's not like costume, really, mm-hmm. but it is like kind of being loud and like, I don't know. Yeah, I think everybody wanted to stand out and have their own thing. Yeah. I remember for me, it was like the kind of skinny blazer. And when I had more hair, I would spike it up and yeah. I would wear. And I remember this was a thing in the early 2000s in, I don't know, men's fashion or in hipster culture or whatever, like the eyeshadow and the mascara and stuff. And I admit to wearing that yeah. like because I thought it was really cool at the time. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and then like the ironic T-shirt and then. I don't know. Skinny jeans. Yeah. It was part of the whole look. Yeah. I think like sometimes I get intimidated um, by parties. Mm-hmm. I think even eventually like misshapes became intimidating. Well, then like, even be- though at first it wasn't because it was like we knew the people. Yeah. But then uh, when they kind of reached this like, you know, upper echelon, like they, I don't know, like they kind of like went past the line and then maybe became like not relatable anymore for me. I feel the same way. I mean, I think part of it was when they transitioned from Luke and Leroy to Don Hills, mm. which is significantly larger. Um, but I think also one of the moments where I was like, okay, this party is uh, kind of big and kind of ridiculous now yeah. is when Madonna came and <laughs> DJed. Um, I mean, that's insane. Yeah. she. I think she had was putting out the Confessions on a Dance Floor album, which I want to say yeah. was like 07. Yeah. So it was like her disco-influenced yeah. album. And she came there and DJed some stuff and, of course, you know, brought her whole posse. And yeah. um, I was like, okay, this that's she, like- she's heard about this or someone told her about it and she's there. And now this party is in a different yeah. like level yeah. <laughs> totally different <laughs> wavelength yeah it's just like beyond yeah i mean that's like if someone started a party called lemonade and like beyonce fucking yeah yeah <laughs> or something like that that's yeah. like today's standards you know yeah. because like back then madonna was like a big 
know, icon. Um, I also think with that album, at least for me, like it was a little bit of a return to like, okay, she's making some quality stuff again. Because mm-hmm. there were a few albums there that she kind of lost me, I feel. Yeah. And also were kind of not so, not reviewed so favorably. Yeah, yeah. But she was still like, you know, people still like regarded her um, as like this icon. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's only, you know, within the last five years or so, maybe that you have weird people hating her mm-hmm, <laughs> for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Like, oh, she's not cool anymore. Yeah. But she was cool for quite a while. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like, you you know, one of the, like, staples of, like, a good, you know, dance night would be, like, get into the groove of or something. Of course. You know? It's yeah. just, like, I mean, you couldn't have a night without, like, at least one Madonna song. Of course. Yeah. And, um, and even in gay culture, you know, it's of just, course. like, like, everyone – you know, they were huge in kind of like keeping her cool mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. fun. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I couldn't imagine <laughs> Madonna. Yeah, I skipped that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I remember it was like pouring rain that night and I was thinking, OK, I know she's going to be there because I, I don't know if it was public, but it was kind of hinted everywhere. Um, and I was thinking maybe I'll go or maybe I'll text, you know, one of the misshapes. Uh, and then I was just like, this is going to be a mess. But I don't know. Anyway, I wound up not going. But when I saw the photos, it just kind of seemed like not the usual Miss Shapes crowd. It was just people who were going because it was Madonna and they wanted, you know, to see her up close. Um, But I do feel like going back to Miss Shapes, once it transitioned to Don Hills and became this huge thing and they were DJing fashion parties and stuff, you would get a lot of A and B list celebrities and fashionistas and like people of note that would just drop by the party. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which took a little bit away from it's like what it was initially about, I feel, you know, certain, you know, bloggers and parties like they went beyond and they kind of became more commercial. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think like the indie spirit is gone. Yeah. I mean, even Pitchfork, right? Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, even when you look at Pitch for me, I mean, I recall reading Pitchfork a bunch when I was in college. And and, I mean, to this day, I'm not going to lie. I I look on it every day, see what's going on. But for me, it's disappointing when I see that they are not so much interested in in discussing up and coming acts and indie acts. When you look at the main page of Pitchfork and it's like, Coachella this, Ariana Grande that, yeah. new Beyonce live thing she put <laughs> out. And I'm just like, where? It's yeah. all about the clicks. And yeah. I know that everybody functions in that world now. But um, to me, it's it's disappointing. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, because back in the day, it would be like they would avoid all that shit mm-hmm. because everyone fucking wrote about that yeah. shit. And then they would actually champion these bands that, like, nobody knew about mm-hmm. that, like... Maybe it was just like a demo or something Mm -hmm. that turned out to be like released. Like, you know, they would probably write about it. And then there was like this very like, um, you know, I, you know, like the reviews sometimes were like unreadable, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) at least or super snobby, super snobby. But at least they were like covering things that you like cared about, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, or like some, you know, when they like make more of a commentary mm-hmm. you know like remember when they reviewed the jet album oh yeah wait was it like the monkey pee? <laughs> i think <Yeah>. so <laughs> and at least that was like a statement yeah you know? exactly it was like okay we're writing about jet but this is our take on a, a review of a jet album yeah so yeah 
Like, I don't think you'd see that anymore, really. No. Do you? No. I also feel like everything is uniform. So, for example, Solange recently released an album, which Mm -hmm. in my view is not as magical as her last couple albums. But it doesn't matter. Everybody gave it a positive review. But that's the thing is that across, you don't really get any sort of true criticism anymore. Yeah. Because Pitchfork will give it a high rating and then so will the Times, Mm -hmm. uh, New York and LA Times, and so will Vogue and so will... You know, the few remaining music sites, uh, blogs, I guess, like Consequence of Sound and Stereogum and stuff. So there's no. Well, that's a problem when a it's all one voice. commercial is it's about money and advertising and marketing. And like, you know, I experienced that a lot when I worked at like a teen website that like you can't really give your true opinion. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to give your true no. opinion. They want you to like you know say positive things and then maybe that you know whoever owns that label or whoever owns that you know marketing company or something will like advertise or spend money with you and like it becomes like more of a marketing thing and like money thing and Mm -hmm. like i think that's really dangerous and you know what was great about blogs in the beginning is like they had no like money in the game it was just exactly (laughs) i think no i think that's a big thing and you know simultaneously when i was doing uh working on the first blog that i had uh i was working at a magazine i know i've mentioned this a couple times but what you were saying pretty much really existed where it was like if someone were to place an ad they would be promised editorial in certain instances Mm -hmm. and for me that's so yeah disgusting yeah and um also not very true to what should be covered yeah but uh, you know that they just went hand in hand yeah you know that happens yeah all the time and i see it on marketing plans Mm -hmm. (laughs) on you know and where it's like well are you spending money there like maybe you you know they'd be more favorable to covering you if you're like spending some ad money or Mm -hmm. whatever Mm -hmm. it's, it's just the ethical you know ness of everything comes into question once it becomes more of a commercial venture and also yeah you do see it affecting like what is actually covered mm-hmm. you know because it's more about well what's going to get mo- the most clicks on it's, this yeah <laughs> like you know well oh no one's going to care about that band that they've never heard of like in wherever like mm-hmm. <laughs> usa or mm-hmm. the world like it's you know, it's not like that anymore. But I guess it's also very different world technologically. If that's know. true. That's true. So, But I think when Pitchfork was bought out by Condé Nast, yeah. I feel like that also was a big part of their decision to really skew from covering, you know, newer, unsigned kind of stuff, you know. It's so strange to me. I, yeah. I mean, at the same time, it makes sense, you yeah. know. Well, it makes sense that it... From a business standpoint... You know, after yeah being bought by a company like that but like is it just like that you've given up like like you're over it mm-hmm. you're like uh, i don't know. and somebody i can make money off selling this thing so i'm kind of like done mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. did its thing and it's become this massive company but it lost its like soul yeah yeah you know and not just pitchfork so many of these sites too so many. you know yeah um i don't know i don't and know it is what it is you know, even do you find this as like a publicist? Maybe you know actually, because like sometimes I'll send out to press mm-hmm. for a show if I'm working on it, trying to get some press, and I'll be trying to find that local blog. Mm-hmm. You know, which oh, like if you're if one of the acts you're working with is playing Minneapolis, for example. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And you're like, okay, there's got to be like a blog here that covers this thing, mm-hmm. and. 
and you just don't find any and they're all just like the major publications now it's really it's a small pool especially when you leave the major cities it's such a small pool yeah um you know i i work with one touring performance artist who will not just play major cities sometimes we'll play some some cities that i would consider b or not even b maybe like c yeah uh like in florida for example and i remember he was doing a show in florida and other than the the daily paper and then like their weekly things to do that's about it in terms of culture coverage so that's it you know which in a way almost makes me jealous that i'm not like a publicist in tallahassee florida (laughs) because it's pretty damn easy if you have a relationship with the arts and culture editor at the two publications you're set yeah you know (laughs) um it's not like that you know if you're in new york or la or chicago you know and if you have anything semi-interesting even if it's not interesting it's coming through you know yeah so yeah no i've been finding like the pool um less and less and especially like the smaller the city mm-hmm. yeah less not even existent there's probably not any blog um it's and it kind of shocked me a little bit. i was oh, like yeah. oh wait is the blog dying so maybe it's all about podcasts now yeah i guess I so know, maybe. i guess so do you like book people on podcasts i i have started to yeah, yeah. and it, you know i i think a couple years ago i would have thought well this is ridiculous but then it, when you look to see what the listenership is or if you see who the previous guests are, you know, maybe there is something to be said about that, you know. Mm. So I do feel like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's the direction. Potting is the new blogging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get that tattooed. <laughs> Should we talk about some of the other parties from then? Yeah. What I mean, are we missing? I feel like. Well, I don't know if this was like a dance party. It was more like a showcase, but they had DJs. Um, the Vicious Party. Oh, yeah. That? Vaguely. I remember that one. With yeah. Like um, Melody Nelson, Audrey. Of course. From Melody yeah. Nelson and um, Jasper. Yep. Um, and he was like another photographer blogger. Really. And Booker, no, at some point. Yeah, he turned into like the Booker, like at pianos. Yeah, at one yeah. Point. I, I don't know whatever. I don't know like where he is now. Or I know Audrey like has some other like real job. Yeah, I know she has a kid and stuff. Yeah. I feel like unfortunately some of these folks that we would see all the time we don't see as often now just because they've either moved or because they have like real day job kind of stuff now yeah, or yeah. they have families or you just kind of lose touch with people for no reason sometimes. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like life progresses. Yeah. <laughs> like it just doesn't align anymore. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But that was a good one. Also, there were these parties at Hero Ballroom. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. GBH. Yeah. That was like I remember some of those. I remember seeing the sounds who I was really into in like 06, 07. Yeah, yeah, they always had like a cool band mm-hmm. performing and then some kind of dancey night. Exactly. You know, um, that was fun. And Hero Ballroom was like like a, a ridiculous place. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so that was always fun because it's like oddly kind of fancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, the kind of place I would have like the VIP bottle table. Yeah, know? <laughs> like, exactly. But there are these parties there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it exists anymore. I don't think it exists either. But I'm trying to recall like bands that they brought in. I remember they brought in Annie when she was. I feel like Annie before Robin, uh, Robin's success with 
you know, indie in indie culture and in mainstream culture and in LGBT culture. Like she, I feel like Annie was the one mm. before that who was like the, um, you know, uh, I think she was Swedish, uh, like Swedish pop act that crossed over to a world where um, pitchfork readers would kind of accept her, you know, and she played a GBH party I remember going to. Uh, and she was like everything for a minute there. Yeah. You know, um, they also brought Patrick Wolf, who I used to be obsessed with, uh, who I haven't thought of in a while, unfortunately. Um, yeah, there was some good stuff they brought. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember um, like uh, they did, I think, a party that was kind of around that movie. Was it like Marie Antoinette where uh-huh. it was like Kirsten Dunst? Yes. And um, so like that whole soundtrack was like 80s. Uh-huh. And um, what, what was that band? The I Want Candy band. Uh, uh, ba- bow. But bow Wow Wow? Bow Wow Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that might be right. That might be right. Actually. Um, but they had them play, I believe. Okay. Um, and it was like a whole party that was like for that movie. Is that it right? is Bow Wow Wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I looked it up quickly. It is Bow Wow yeah, Wow. Yeah, yeah. Which you wouldn't even think, like, like knowing, like, I don't know, like that rapper Bow Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bow Wow. <laughs> well, bow Wow and like, Bow Wow Wow. Very different. You're, you're questioning yourself. You're like, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember the GBH parties would sometimes have like uh, James Murphy from LCD DJing or one of the guys from The Rapture or, you know, yeah. like the buzzy DFA kind of guys. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Holy uh, Ghost. Yeah. All that oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, I just saw her coming back with a new album and tour this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's coming. Back. Everyone's back. Yeah. So what would be like your ideal songs? to um, dance to at these parties like like the song you would freak out like when you know when it comes there on. are a few and um i gotta say the ones that are from circa 06 and circa now it's probably the same pool for me in terms of at least the new wave and and, and uh 90s stuff um some of that stuff i wouldn't want to revisit like for example i know block party is coming back and uh <laughs> And I mean, I listened to Silent Alarm a bunch and I saw them on that tour a lot, but like, I don't really revisit that. But I would say the songs that really make me excited then and now, definitely number one would probably be Common People. I mean, come on. (laughs) Definitely Blur Boys and Girls. Yes. I mean, obviously. Um, Depeche Mode People are People or Personal Mm. Jesus or Mm -hmm. any of the big singles. Yeah. Anything Smiths, notably... uh, uh, this charming man i want the one i can't have uh hand in glove yeah so many um new order of course so many uh, of course like uh just like heaven the cure mm. um lips like sugar echo and the bunny man oh yeah so um, good <laughs> uh oh god there's just so many you so know? much yeah oh. um but i remember back then um I would be thrilled when I mean, and the song, the go-to song was "Franz Ferdinand, Take Me Out." Oh yeah, yeah, that was everywhere. Or this fire too. Yeah, that was a huge one. And they're still around, right? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're still kicking. Um. Yeah. No, that was everywhere. There was like a whole kind of like that scene, that like Brit, uh, poppy, rocky scene that was like, like Kaiser Chiefs. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There's like another one. I don't know. Like uh, so many. It's just like part of that scene that I'm like, 
Oh, um, remember Art Brute? Of course. Um, yeah, and they're also coming back. I got a press release about that. They are? Yeah. What are they, they are. coming back? A new album. Oh, my They're back. God. Yeah. Well, it must have been years since they released Yeah, it's something. been a long time. It's been a long time. Maybe they're feeling the resurgence, too, and they're like, it's time. Uh, I always like their, like, kind of everyone can do this philosophy, you know. They're very, like, uh, we can do do this you can too kind of attitude which mm-hmm. made them very like accessible and likable in a lot of ways i dug them even though it was kind of weird stuff the oh, lyrics yeah, were totally ridiculous weird yeah. like like but i think it's like their charmingness that kind of got them uh-huh. a lot of like people just liked them yeah and um even if like their stuff was like kind of a little wacky i remember a double bill at knitting factory a million years ago with art brute and we are scientists <laughs> yeah, I think they played together maybe like also like in Europe or something too. Because like we are scientists, even though they were popular here, they were like huge. They were overseas. really big overseas. Um, I know I, I I like listened to them recently again just to see if it stands up, and it's just it sounds so of that time period. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's like something that would. Uh, or if it did work today, it'd be like younger, like definitely like a younger crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so I was like <laughs> going through my old iTunes <laughs> to try to like jog the memory. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Remember Black Kids? I do. <laughs> that was like they a ha- thing. Do you, what was the name of that big single they had? Oh, I forget. Um, I'm not going to teach Did your you boyfriend. Un- how yes. To I knew it had a long title. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. I always played. Um, oh, you know, a band I forgot to mention that would get me excited back in the day that I would want to dance to is CSS. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were, like, super hot yeah. at the time. Yeah. The other um, kind of band that I thought uh, was really cool was the Go Team. Mm-hmm. And they had actually, like, a pretty good album. That yeah. kind of had a very, like, um, obviously, like, a bunch of different influences, but mm-hmm. kind of almost like a, a, a Motown-y vibe mm-hmm. to it with, like, the girl singing. Yeah. And, um... But yeah, oh, also, like, as far as, like, bigger artists, right? Like, Pixies. Of course. Obviously, classics, like Prince and stuff yeah, would get yeah. played. But I would say, like, for me, yeah, it would be Pulp, Common People. Mm-hmm. I'd always scream when that song came Of course, on. yeah. And, yeah, like, uh, Blur. I was, like, super into Blur at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, Boys and Girls, for sure. So, did you want to try and do our repeat skips for this episode? Yes. Yeah. Um, two... Kind of classics, I guess. Um, also, ones I don't revisit a ton, but I don't mind. Um, <laughs> I don't mind if I were to hear them now. Not that I don't. Yeah. Um, so the first one I thought maybe we could dive back into is kind of this quintessential early 2000s New York album. In fact, maybe the one, uh, Interpol, Turn on the Bright Lights. Yeah. Which I feel like we couldn't really skip. Um, no. <laughs> it was, I think, well, what are your, what were your thoughts when you first heard it? And what are your thoughts of the album now? Well, I, I think I've always had complex feelings about Interpol because mm-hmm. I like, I like the music and the general sound that they were doing, but sometimes I would get really stuck on like, um, some, some of the lyrics and how, 
how kind of awful they were. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not always awful, but like some of them are just so dumb and you're just like, man, couldn't you have thought of something just a little bit better? <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. I don't think Paul was ever a really good lyricist. No, he was definitely, that was definitely not one of his strong points, but you know, he, I guess, you know, he was good looking. So, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think, you know, the, the voice and it was, I feel obviously so joy division inspired. I don't know. It worked. And I think also in a post nine 11, New York, there was like a little, well, not yeah. a little, there was a, a gloom, and I feel like they captured it well. Yeah, you know? didn't it come out around the same right time, and they maybe had to edit the cover? No, the Strokes, no, the Strokes oh, did. The strokes yeah, the Strokes the had to take off New York City Cops from Is This It and oh. change the cover, yeah. Wow. But I think the reason they had to change the cover was because there was, like, a naked booty and a whip, and I think that that wasn't going to fly in the U.S., <laughs> But I, I, if I remember correctly, but I, but they definitely had to remove the song because of nine eleven. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, they had like two versions of their covers, like yeah. one that worked somewhere and one that didn't work. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For um, sure. I, um, yeah. <laughs> what about you? What, what did you think of it? Um, I was a big fan of theirs, not initially, uh, but then I saw them live and I, it all clicked for me, um, and I loved mm -hmm. Turn on the Bright Lights. I loved the follow-up antics and then they totally lost me so i haven't really listened to them in a long time um and they're still pretty huge i want to say on the last album's tour they headline madison square garden which is bananas yeah um and i just saw the other day they announced a tour with morrissey for the fall <sighs> yeah which is an interesting pairing oh i, yeah. I know you're gonna be there i know <laughs> uh, i tell myself that i'm yeah of course i'm gonna be there <laughs> Um, it's at Forest Hill Stadium here, which oh. is a schlep and a half. Dude, Interpol played there, didn't they? Yeah, like... they they celebrated Turn On The Bright Lights, I think the 15th year. Oh, and now they're yeah. coming back with Morrissey. But um, I don't know. Uh, you know, th as, as people who listen to the podcast regularly know, I'm about to see Morrissey on Broadway very, very soon. And he has already canceled the first six dates of his Canadian tour oh, no. for some sort of quote medical emergency. So I'm not confident that these shows are actually going to happen in the fall. I hope I'm wrong. Wow. But if he's starting off the tour after like six months off by canceling the first few doesn't yeah. bode well for the rest of the year. Right. So it usually kind of trickles. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Starts with a few and then, and then more. everything's gone. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, going back to Interpol, um, I got to say, I haven't listened to this in a while, and then I revisited it yesterday, and um, it it does have a little bit of a warm place for me. Mm. Um, but I would say that my repeat is either the closing track, Leif Erikson, or Obstacle 2. I feel like Obstacle 1 was the single and, and the one that people were you know gravitating towards in addition to PDA. But I always liked Obstacle 2, even though it probably had one of the worst group of lyrics on the album i mean they all were pretty bad um obstacle one had the worst obstacle one they all were bad because um, it was like um what was it like uh something uh boring and stuff oh she's always boring she's and always stuff boring. i'm always calling her bluff yeah. right it's terrible i like stuff and bluff really dude <laughs> come on um i also really like stella was a diver and she was always down um so anyway yeah and for me my skip is probably the new which is towards the end of the album just because i don't know for me it was kind of forgettable right yeah yeah 
you know, yeah, I also like kind of revisited the the songs because it's not like an album that I like listen to. But yeah, I guess if it's on somewhere, like oftentimes I'll make fun of the lyrics, but yeah. you know, I still enjoy the mu- the actual music of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think for repeat, I picked NYC, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't have <laughs> like looking at the lyrics again, and I was like. I don't like the lyrics New York City care like <laughs> New York City cares because it's just I feel like that didn't really like hold it's up. It's like an I, ad campaign yeah, or something. It's, it's like yeah, it totally. It's <laughs> like it's like some kind of Bloomberg ad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, Who, by the way, this is uh, sort of related since you mentioned Bloomberg. Uh, at one of the spaces that I do press for, he showed up the other night. Uh, yeah, and so did Henry Kissinger. So it was like a trip. Oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. And what would you skip? Uh, I think I would skip Stella, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, cause, and I thought about this for a while, <laughs> but I just... There, there's just something so contrived about that, that title that I just... I think I didn't... I think I just didn't really like it for the title mm-hmm. itself. Um, but, you know, I don't know. They all kind of had a very similar vibe. Yeah, yeah. You know, so in that way, it was kind of hard to pick a skip because it's kind of like when you're comparing, you know, apples to apples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's hard. Exactly. Um, but I think like that one, I probably wouldn't like revisit really. But yeah, again, they're all kind of very similar. Yeah, so. there's definitely a, a, a common thread throughout the album. Yeah. Should we talk about our second pick yeah yeah <laughs> um, this is a happy we've one. talked about jarvis a bunch this episode but i mean a different class like the classic 1995 release kind of at the pinnacle of like the brit pop craze yeah um i feel like you know it was mid 90s mid 90s is really the time but this album had so many great hits on it um oh my god it was so hard yeah know. this was a hard one actually um just there's so many good tracks yeah yeah um, for me, I picked uh, Disco 2000, which actually I should have mentioned earlier. That was another song that would get mm-hmm. me really pumped when I'd hear out. Classic. And I think just in terms of like a, a weirder song that's kind of sexy and kind of like bizarre, yeah. I would also pick Underwear as a uh, as a repeat. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I would skip Bar Italia just because for some reason that one I don't remember from 24 years ago. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why, but most of this album I loved and remember like every lyric to, but for some reason I can't remember that one well. It's just funny because it's like, I think like, um, I felt the same way too when I was just reading like the the list of songs and then you play it and you're like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah. Like this was one of those albums you're like listening to from mm-hmm. start to finish mm-hmm. like, just because it was like one kind of complete thing uh with so many like weird hits yeah that's the thing about pulp it's just like they're not classic hits necessarily except for like the ones we mentioned Mm -hmm. that would always get played at the dance party Mm -hmm. but he was a very unusual (laughs) you know person yeah yeah unusual perspective and um so i i picked like something changed Mm -hmm. um I just remember like listening to that on repeat, uh, like walking around like probably Williamsburg, <laughs> North Fourth Street or uh-huh, something like uh-huh. that. Um but uh yeah, I really liked that song. Um and then Skip was just really hard for me, but 
I don't know. I picked feeling called love, but mm-hmm. then when I was like listening to it again, I was like, this isn't bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, There's nothing bad on this album. It just I think it that one just kind of picks up very slowly. It mm-hmm. picks up at the end more. Mm-hmm. So the 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 beginning and a lot of the talking, you know, uh, was just like whatever. And then when it kind of picked up at the end. It was just like, okay, this is what we like about pulp. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that whole album was such a defining album. And I feel like really kind of solidifies that dance, that indie dance party. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just love Jarvis because he's so, uh, such an, such an unusual kind of rock star, yes. you know? Um, and he is super smart and super, I don't know. Yeah. He's just, he's, it's, he's his own thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I had a picture of Jarvis on my college wall. <laughs> 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 so, you know, like that's what I thought was like a sex symbol. Uh-huh, <laughs> but uh-huh. I don't think, you know, other people would necessarily think that. Uh, you know, I have some, some friends that do consider him one as well. Yeah. He's not your. In his own way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Kind of like a weirdo sex yeah. symbol, yeah. kind of, you know, and uh, and I think that goofiness is what makes him kind of appealing. And, mm-hmm. You know, the story is always like he would get like really wasted, right, before he started like recording mm-hmm. an album, and you can really feel that looseness. Oh yeah, know? oh yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's maybe that like kind of transfers to the listener in a way. Yeah. And then they released that album a little later in the 90s, This Is Hardcore, which really is like a full sex album. That was, yeah. yeah. And at first I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but the more I listened to it, um, the more I like it. And like just the title track. Oh, my was God. Like amazing. Yeah. Remember when that kid. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of the lyric that goes in there. goes <laughs> <laughs> in there. <laughs> there was a kid that like sang it. Um Oh, I remember this. Remember? Yeah, like a young kid. Yeah, yeah. And he, there was like a competition. Yes, and he entered, and he was like this, like I don't know, eight year old kid. Yeah, or something search like YouTube that. for this. It's amazing. Oh my god, was Jarvis a Jarvis judge? was the judge? He was a, judging yeah. it. Yeah, and this kid just did this amazing rendition of "This Is Hardcore," which yeah. is like totally inappropriate. <laughs> and I just remember people being like. Who are his parents and who let him? <laughs> I thought it was kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, maybe some of it or most of it hopefully went over his head. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he was just hamming, doing it for the ham. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamming it up. Um, yeah. You know, as kids do. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that was really funny. And that made me like the song even more. Really, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. It's just, it is utterly ridiculous. Oh, it, yeah. It, when you break it down. Mm-hmm. But. It's kind of like a masterpiece. It is kind of a masterpiece. You know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, what was that Verve song? Uh, Bittersweet Symphony. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's kind of like this like epic. Mm -hmm. It becomes like this epic thing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how I see that song. But yeah. (laughs) You know, and seeing them live to Pulp, it's just like. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it was something I, I didn't even think that I would ever get to see. But then when I did, I was just like more than i could have even imagined yes yeah, i'm not even into like huge melodramatic stage tricks or anything like that but i just felt like there was there was like a weird artistry to it and he was so, like 
Like I remember him climbing the sides of like. Are you talking about Radio City? Radio yeah, City. I went. They did three nights. I went. I went to one or two. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. I think I went to one or two yeah. as well. Yeah, and it was just like. Oh, it was so good. I th- I never thought I'd see them <sighs> live, so that was really exciting. I yeah. mean, I've seen Jarvis solo a couple times, but he doesn't even do any pulp songs. So yeah. that was really great. Yeah, that was just like such a pinnacle of my concert experience, and yeah, I just. You know, there's few bands that all like shell out the money to go see, and they were definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. So that was episode seven of Mixtape Memories. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Thanks. and I hope uh, you know we helped you relive some <laughs> dance music days. Yes. And uh, join us next time. See you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.